Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. That's where the Bible says in Proverbs, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Oh, I've been doing this. This is the 14th kid. I got it down. All of a sudden, whoops, didn't work with that one. Well, how can that be? Well, you have to figure out, God, I need wisdom. Seek his will in all you do. He will show you. I love verse 7 in Proverbs 3. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. One child can ruin your wisdom. I got it all figured out. One church member can stumble us and go, how can deal with that one? So I need to depend on God. If you're the parent of more than one kid, you know how different their personalities can be. One is introverted and moody. The other is the life of the party. As their parent, you understand that raising and nurturing them has to be done in different ways. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about your need to rely on God's wisdom. And when in church leadership, God's wisdom is needed even more. Dealing with the problems that all different kinds of people have can't be done using only your own limited wisdom. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. Now, let's go back to verse 14. He says, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you. So Paul is really trying to say, I love you, and I'm warning you. I love you, so I'm warning you. Many times today, as we get into discipline here, people will say, well, if you love me, then don't warn me. Don't talk bad to me. Don't tell me things that are not right. No, love warns. Love confronts. We'll see that. Now, but notice what he's really going to do. He's writing not only to warn them, not only to correct them, but you're going to see as he goes through, here's a big thing. He's writing to encourage them. So leader, spiritual leader, and with the big S up there, here's what I mean. Parent, grandparent, home group leader, community group leader, small group leader, elder pastor, you be an encourager. In our liberal society, is there really a place where we can be an encourager and at the same time, discipline. Yes, absolutely. Understand this next principle that you may worry. Godly discipline is necessary, but it must be done in love. You and I have all learned this as parents. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure of this statement. If you've been a parent especially if you had more than one child, you at one point disciplined that child in anger and you realized it wasn't right. 
You don't have to raise your hands. We're all guilty. And why did I do that? Because I, I, I lost control. The, the love part wasn't there. The patience wasn't there. The self-control wasn't there. So Ephesians 4 says, speaking the truth in love. Now, watch what Paul writes. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. He always looked at his churches, those that he really poured his life into, started as, again, spiritual children. That addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Have you forgotten what? What is Paul saying? Have you forgotten the word of encouragement? What he's trying to say is, God is not an absent father. And so when God needs to discipline us, God always does it in love. How I respond to that is how his next steps are. We understand that. Now, when you hear the word discipline today, most of us kind of think negative. We go back to the belt and the hairbrush or whatever. But the biblical understanding of discipline is really overall positive. It's good for us. And you may want to write kind of this definition. It includes, when you talk about discipline in the Bible, it means to teach. It means to instruct. It means to correct. And yes, there is some punishment. I mean, when I was raised, I never heard this term, time out. Now, how many of you parents use time out? Let me see, grandparents, how many? Good. Okay. How many husbands use that with your wife? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need counseling. Pastor Day is available after the service. All right. We never called a time out. What did they do? Just go to your room, close the door, you got no supper. I didn't know that was time out, but that's what happened. By the way, we give our dog time out. How about you guys? Yeah, sometimes they just need it. So the Bible is pictured as what? A God that's our heavenly father. See, that's very different than our world. Our natural tendency, my natural tendency, and yours as well, is rebellion. So God has to deal with that. You don't need to write this down, but I think it's important for you to see the balance. In God's word, we find this balance that he gives us. All of God's kids. And by the way, this is in church. This is for elders and pastors. Sometimes we have to correct people. Of course, sometimes we have to be corrected. We're all teachable. And this is for parents, and this is for grandparents. All God's kids need attention, affirmation, and affection. You need that. I need that in my life. But I also need boundaries and loving discipline. Okay, you can go this far. You can't go any farther. The Ten Commandments are boundaries. God says, here's the way you do life. I need to know from his perspective how I do it. So it is not negative. It is very positive. That's the way God takes care of the rebellious spirit that you and I, and of course, since our kids are raised with us, have the kind of thing. So when I'm doing that in a counseling session at the church, or when you're doing it in a time with your children, you have to talk. You have to know, God, when do I say something? When do I listen? When am I to be tender? When do I have to draw the red line. We just heard about the red line for the last, what, 10 weeks here. I drew a red line. You know what drawing a line is. No, that's as far as I go there. That won't happen again. And so I need God's wisdom. Why do I need that? Because every single child is what? Different. Any of you have two children that are identical twins, and yet they're both very different. By the way, every person in this building is different. 
So how we deal with people, it just depends how that works. And so we need God's wisdom. Of course, that's where the Bible says in Proverbs, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Oh, I've been doing this. This is the 14th kid. I got it down. All of a sudden, whoops, didn't work with that one. Well, how can that be? Well, you have to figure out, God, I need wisdom. Seek his will in all you do. He will show you. I love verse 7 in Proverbs 3. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. One child can ruin your wisdom. I got it all figured out. One church member can stumble us and go, how are we going to deal with that one? So I need to depend on God. Now, bold requests were part of Paul's life. He liked to just state it. He was kind of a bottom line guy. He just states it. And I want you to see two things that he states tonight. And this more and more is for the spiritual. Take a look at Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate, and this is a challenge for me, and it is for all pastors and elders, their faith. See, a leader has to be a person of faith. So I'm to remember and respect and appreciate the leaders. Remember simply means to be mindful. And then I'm to imitate those very same leaders. I must be a person of faith. The writer encourages those people to follow through. God needs to be in my life. I need to be in the word because if I'm in the word, then I'm a person of faith and I can lead you. So I need prayer. Thank you for praying for all the pastors and the elders and the small group leaders. Remember to remember them, appreciate them. In your small groups, write a little note to your small group leader. Thank you for weekend. As the Awana program goes, find out who's teaching your children. Write them a little thank you note. Thanks for just pouring into my children. That's a beautiful thing that you can do. And then, not just that, Paul says, then you need to imitate them as you see them doing that. Now, how can Paul say, imitate me? What had they seen in his life already? Well, we don't know it all because all those 18 months he was there is amazing. But let's look at 1 Corinthians 4.1. You're at the right chapter. Just look at it quickly. Two things I want you to write. Paul said this, but he didn't just teach it. He modeled it. Look what he says. So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. So what could they imitate? A servant attitude. Paul served them. He gave his life for them. Second, look at verse 2. Now it's required that those that have been given a trust must prove faithful. Second thing that you and I need to model is to be a faithful steward of my time, of my money, of my giftings. I'm going to give a requirement. I'm going to give an answer to God for that. Now, I want you to think about both of those things. Servant attitude and faithful steward. Our children in the home, as they get older, will know that's happening. You should be able to see that happening in the church. Our goal is to serve you. I learned that from my dad. Just serve the people. And... This church is not my church, not any of the pastor's church, so we're here to be servants. Who's my role model? 
Jesus. What did he come to do? Not to be served, but to serve. So I should carry that over in my home. So as your children see that happening, they'll realize you're imitating God. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying to them, you, you should imitate me. And here's two things I want you to imitate. Being a servant and taking care of the gift you have. But what were they doing? Neither. They were dividing the church. So who were they serving? Themselves. And were they, by doing that, what was happening to the church? It had lost its influence. See, division not only divides, division always causes spiritual degradation. It just destroys from within. Now, notice who Paul is writing this to. Who's Paul having trouble with? John is having trouble with kind of people outside the church trying to stir it up. He's kind of, they've left the church. What is Paul writing to? People in the church. And he's saying, come on, I'm not perfect, but as a father, you saw the way that I lived. So understand what he's just saying. Be faithful in the responsibilities. Now, notice what Paul writes later. I have this up here. And this is huge for you parents tonight. Look at this. Philippians 4.9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Put it into practice. Put it into practice. So as a parent... You're to model the behavior you want to see in your children. They need to see, and Paul says, you've seen my life, and you'll see in a moment how he did that with Timothy. Model the godly lifestyle for your children. Pastor Mark, what does that look like? Well, make sure they see you in the Word. Make sure they see you when you come to church, you bring a Bible. Make sure they see you praying. Or hearing you pray for them. Make sure they see you serving somewhere. And when your child says, well, where are you going? Where are you and mom going? Well, we're going to our community group. What's a community group? Well, that's where we get together and learn to apply the word. And then you can do a little paint application. Get a can of paint, put the application right on it. Knowledge without application is useless. So you're saying, well, our pastor said we should get in a small group. So we're going to go and get in a lousy small group. Okay, is there a problem with that? Yeah, there is. Oh, our kids wouldn't catch on. They watch us. My dad was far from a perfect parent. None of us have perfect parents. But I watched him in the ministry. Ministry's hard. And I watched him for over 50 years, just serving. He'd get discouraged. But I never heard negative, critical, tearing down ever come. That taught me a lot. He was my role model. He never guessed I'd be a pastor. I never guessed I'd be a pastor. But it wasn't about being a pastor. It's being about a what? A Christian. So make sure when they're watching you, they ought to be able to sense this. The most exciting lifestyle in all the world is being a Christian. Not from your words, but from your life. Huge principle there. Now, go back to verse 1 Corinthians 4, 17. Watch what Paul does. Look at verse 17. Look at this word. For this reason. What reason? I'm sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees 
with what I teach everywhere in every church. Now, how about that for consistency? Paul says, I'm going to send you Timothy. Now, let me remind you again what's going on in this church. Listen to this. At the heart of the boasting at Corinth was the conviction that these people really were a very successful, lively, mature, and effective church. They were satisfied with their spirituality. They were satisfied with their local leadership and their quality of life. They had settled down to the illusion that they'd become the best they could be. In other words, they felt they had arrived. That's what a carnal Christian does. I'm a Christian. I'm going to church. I've arrived. But Paul knew better. So Paul says, I'm sending you Timothy for this reason. Now, why would he send Timothy? Well, the answer is in the verse. Timothy, my, what's it say? Well, was it his physical son? No, it was not. Timothy became a believer because of his grandmother and mom. It was his what? His spiritual son. It was his disciple. There's the principle of discipleship. So Paul says, I've discipled Timothy. I'm comfortable sending Timothy to the church. I'm not coming right now, so I'm sending Timothy. When Paul discipled Timothy, what did Timothy end up with? Paul's DNA. He watched how Paul ministered. And he had his DNA. Now, he was different from Paul. Remember, Paul sometimes had to say to Timothy, come on now, Timothy, don't be timid. Timothy, timid. Come on, move out. Get out there. Stir up that gift that's within you. So Timothy was going to remind the Corinthians, not of Timothy's way of teaching, but Paul's way of teaching and Paul's way of living. Now, I want to remind you of something, because from the background, you don't see this Maybe happening. The older pastors that are here, obviously starting with me, but the guys that have a lot of experience, Dave, Dean, as we're here, this is exactly what we're doing with the younger guys. What are we doing? We want them to know us. We want them to have our DNA. We want them to teach and live as we do. Again, far from perfect as long as we're following Christ and to imitate Christ ourselves. So why, why are we doing that? Because I have a role model. Paul says, now think about this. How would you like to be Timothy? He's going to a very difficult church. But he feels confident because he learned how to deal with people from who? The Apostle Paul. So he learned it well. So This is important for you to understand. Why isn't Paul afraid of sending Timothy? Because he can trust Timothy. Timothy isn't going to go and try to make a name for himself. Does that make sense to you? Now, when I'm out of the pulpit, I'm on a mission trip or I'm on vacation or whatever. when When I put people here, why do I do that? Because I what? I trust them. So I won't hear if I'm on vacation uh, somebody just taught exactly the opposite of the way you teach. They have an agenda. They're trying to bring people to themselves. If that was ever true, 
How many more times would they teach for me? Remember the shed we're talking about? Now, why would I do that? Because I'm proud? No, because I'm responsible for this body of believers. But when I have Dave or Dean or the other guys come, I'm totally comfortable. Why? Well, they're not going to be me. They're going to have their own giftings. They're going to have their own unique qualities. But they're not going to be against me. They're going to be for me. And they're going to be teaching basically like we teach. They know what our DNA is here. Does that make sense to you? Well, that's important. Many times, and again, I don't make this weird. Many times you go to church, and it's always outside speakers coming in. I believe you should be raising people up from within, if you can. Because what? Sitting here week in, week out, whose DNA are they getting? My DNA. And I get my DNA from lots of different people that I'm around. And so, the same thing. And so... It's a huge thing. And so Paul says to Timothy, I'm going to send you because I trust you. Well, why does he trust him? Because he discipled him. That's amazing to see that happening. And that's healthy for a church in case you don't know. Now, why did Paul really feel about that? I want you to go see this verse. Keep your finger there. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Notice he says, I'm sending Timothy to you. And I want you to see how broad that was. How broad that knowledge that Timothy had. Now remember, from all we know, Timothy's dad either wasn't in the picture or he's definitely not a believer. So kind of, it's his spiritual dad. In many ways, it would kind of take the place of a little bit of a dad as we move through that. Now look at chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3. Look down to verse 10. This is Paul writing to Timothy. This is a goal for me. This is a goal for Pastor Dean. This is a goal for Pastor Dave. As we're ministering to these younger pastors who are eventually going to take our place or go to another place around the world. Notice what he says. Timothy, you, however, know all about my teaching. Now, if he stopped there, that would pretty much be it. But he doesn't stop there. That's just a little starting point. Remember, a pastor is not just a preaching machine. He's a person. And he says this, you know about my way of life. You know about my purpose. You've watched my faith. You understand my patience. You know about my love. You know about my endurance. You know about my persecutions. You know about my sufferings. And what kind of things happen to me? And Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark taught about the influence pastors and parents have on those under their influence. You heard about the need for both authority figures to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit to do their jobs properly. As challenges come up, prayer, and seeking God's wisdom is vital to successfully passing on the knowledge of God to the next generation. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. 
Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will be wrapping up the fourth section of his teaching series, People, Problems, and Practical Helps. You'll hear how the Apostle Paul trusted Timothy to be his stand-in to the church at Corinth. You'll find out the importance of following the ultimate role model, Jesus, and then showing that Christ-like example to those under your care. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.